Good morning, friends. I won't take offense that you didn't cheer when you heard that I came from Port Elizabeth. I was born in the Western Cape. Thank you so much. I thought maybe you're going to wash my feet. <laughs> I was born in the Western Cape, grew up in KZN, and now I'm in the Eastern Cape. And I love them all. I uh, just wanted to put a picture of my family to prove that I do have a family. Um, my daughter, as Craig said, wrote a science exam. She's wanting to study medicine. And so Tash said, please, could she um, stay at home just to help her through? And apparently it went really well. And um, uh, those are my four children, Jessica, Emma, Nathan, and Jubilee, or Jubes as we call her. And um, this morning they're having a youth service. My eldest daughter is preaching. And she is preaching on the parable of the uh, unforgiving servant. And my daughter is um, leading a worship song on the piano for the first time. And you know what's amazing? Uh, my wife's family, her parents are not Christians. And my mom is a Christian, but I didn't really grow up in a Christian home. And when I look at the wonder of Jesus and what he does to families and how he changes families... And um, now we stand where I get the privilege of ministering Jesus to you, and my children get the privilege of ministering to Jesus in another city. Isn't he amazing? He does great works, and it's his name that we want to lift up this morning. Bring your greetings from our church called Joy to the Nations. I've got one or two pictures just to show you a little bit about our church, and um, uh, that's a baptism uh, morning. And uh, lots of little kiddies come. Our church is right opposite the road from a township. So we have many families from the township that come. And um, that's a great morning when we baptize. I think that's a winter's morning. Always lovely to get baptized on a winter's morning. I'm sure it doesn't really happen here in Pretoria. <laughs> and then there's uh, one or two more pictures that I'd love just to show you. Uh, that's a picture of our church. The most incredible thing is that our church is predominantly unemployed, and yet in the favor of God, we were able to build a beautiful facility. God is, a, is, is an amazing provider. Uh, next picture is um, just a picture of, of uh, us when we eat together, and you can see many different nations that gather, probably about 15 different nations. And for Port Elizabeth, that's quite unusual. Um, and so, we celebrate what I see in front of you and um, in terms of just many different nations that gather. Uh, God is amazing. He's able to bring together people who speak different languages that would never gather together unless Jesus was alive. I'm telling you, the only reason why this church exists in terms of what I see in front of me this morning is because Jesus is alive. You just have to, you know, people say, well, I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus, not really, you know, impressed with the church. You just have to say, well, just come here on a Sunday and you will know that this is not possible for man to, uh, to do. Everyone knows that an Afrikaans man, JP, does not easily hang with a closer man. It does not happen. They don't build friendships naturally. God is able to do amazing things. And we celebrate what God has done in your midst. And I want you to know, friends, that, you know, you might say, well, I like this church. 
I like the venue. I like the coffee. It's friendly. It's family. I, f- you know, I feel loved. I enjoy the worship. Love Craig and Colette. The eldership team, amazing. I really like it. I want you to realize the wonder of what Jesus Christ has done to actually have this moment this morning. He is magnificent. He is the great reconciler. He reconciles not only man to God, but man to man. And today, friends, not only in our nation, but the nations, the greatest need is for someone to bring men together and women together because all around the world, not only in this nation, we see division. Division along racial lines, division along sexual lines, divisions along religious lines. The work of the enemy is to divide. And so he is doing a great job. But there is a greater king, and his name is Jesus. And so I want you, friends, to boast a little about your church. I really mean that. I want you to boast. To boast is not, you know, in the people, but boast in Christ and what Christ has done to establish what he has established. I think you guys should start a little rumor. A rumor is something, hey, I think there's something happening. There's something happening. God is doing something magnificent. I think you should um, uh, be uh, a little bit boastful about what God has done. I think you should be, you know, like a, um, uh, like a, a, a mother and a father when they have a newborn baby. They want to show off that newborn baby to everyone. They don't go, no, don't worry, and don't come and look. You know, it's no problem. It's just, uh, no, come and look. Come. Everybody's welcome. In our church, uh, as you walk in, there are 15 different ways to say welcome, to represent the different languages. And I want to say to you, friends, I want you to, to, to grab hold of this, um, and that is, you have a church where every tribe and tongue is welcome, and that is very special. It's a work of Christ. It's not the work of man, and I want you to say, uh, maybe you're just visiting, or you haven't been here long, or you haven't realized what God has done. He is magnificent. So, Father, we celebrate you this morning. We celebrate you. You're so much more amazing than what we've ever imagined. Lord, we sometimes just see with what we see with our natural eyes, and we fail to see your magnificence and your glory, and just giving a taste of what heaven will look like, Lord. And Father, I want to pray, even before we begin to preach, that this will be a church where every nation and every tongue is welcome, Lord. People will say, come and see what the Lord has done. He is magnificent. And I pray that you would... I deposit through the power of your Holy Spirit such a confidence, Lord, not in ourselves, but in you. Such a confidence, Lord, that what God is doing in this community, Grace Covenant Church, is magnificent. In Jesus' name, amen. I had no plan to say that. Um, but part of um, actually serving uh, the eldership team is to not just bring our best sermons and try and impress you, but to try and see what God is doing. And it's not very difficult here. I don't have to work hard. I, um, in, in praying for this time, 
I uh, felt God just re- remind me of the verse in Hebrews where it says, in Hebrews chapter 6, where it says, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. I had an amazing time with um, your leaders on Friday night, and um, we had some pizza together, which is always lovely. And they began to tell of the stories of what God has done and what God will do. You know, friends, every single church is unique, yeah? Every single church has a, a unique redemptive potential. It's a unique fingerprint. Praise God, we are not all alike. And, um, and God wants to do things through, through different families. I want to just raise the awareness that it's not just coming to church. You're a part of a family that God has got a purpose and a promise. And um, you're part of a family that I think is around about 22 years old. I think around about that period. So it's it's, it's a church with with a history and a church with a future. And so it's really important if you're part of this church to celebrate its history, but to take responsibility for its future. I want to say that again. It's really important, church, that you, take, you, you, you celebrate the church's history, what God has done. Even this building um, is something to celebrate. I want to ask you, how many of you uh, were here when this building was built? Just raise your hands. So I'm seeing about five hands. So most of you came and you did not have to pay for this building. Yeah? You just came. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to faith for it. You just came and it's here. I like the building. I like the coffee. And the reason why I'm saying that is because another generation worked hard to pray and to contribute and to faith the promises of God. And therefore, there is a responsibility on the next generation or group of people to work, to pray, to shepherd, to steward that which God has for us, so that in 20 years' time or 30 years' time, you can hand over to the next generation and say, you guys run harder than us. Yes. The promises of God over this church are beautiful. Okay, Brendan, how do we steward? How do we look after? How do we grow up in maturity in taking uh, ownership of the promises of this church? And this church will be a church where every nation is welcome. It will be a church where the Uh, broken can be made whole. It will be a church that resources the city and the nations. It will be a church that blesses Pretoria and beyond. So how do we make sure that that happens? Well, the Word of God says that through faith and patience. And yesterday I talked about patience, and I believe the message uh, will be online. And I want to commend it to you because the message is a two-part message. Um, it's, it's, I, I can't really do it without yesterday's deal. And I want you to, if you've, if you've got the capacity to, to actually listen to yesterday's message on patience. I don't have the time to do both in 30 minutes. And so um, I commend that to you, yesterday's message on, on um, patience. And uh, this morning I want to talk about faith. And I'd like for us to look at Mark chapter 2. And verse 1. 
Thank you to the sound guys. You guys are doing a great job. I can hear myself clearly. And I want to commend the sound as a great service uh, towards the Lord. So if you're not doing anything, go and learn and volunteer there. How's that for a plug? (laughs) Mark chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowds, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them so that all that were there were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And so I want to look at this morning, what does faith look like? What does faith look like practically for you this morning? What does the opposite of faith look like for you this morning? And what are the results of faith? What does faith look like in your own life? What does the opposite of faith look like? And then what is the results when we begin to become a community of faith? And so um, this is a great story uh, that Mark writes. Um, It's a story um, of um, Jesus and his interaction with the community, and um, there is a report going out that there is this guy who is healing, and there are four guys, four men, who think, if there is a guy who is healing, we know someone who needs to be healed. And um, so, they go and knock on the guy's door. You won't believe this, but there is a guy healing, and we want to take you to him, so that he can pray for you, and who knows, maybe you will walk. And he says, I'm in. And so they pick him up, one, two, three, four. I'm imagining it's a type of maybe canvas material that's strong enough to hold him. And they're walking to the house where Jesus is, and they discover that the house is full. There's no room. That's knee plaque for a mace knee. There's not even a spot for a mouse. No problem for them. They decide 
we want our friend to receive healing. And we're not going to come back tomorrow. We're going to find a way. I don't know why they didn't go through the window, but the Word of God says they got onto the roof. Perhaps it was on the stairs on the side of the roof. The roofs were flat. Perhaps they went onto a neighbor's house and jumped over. I, I, can you picture this thing with, you know, up the stairs with this? Oh, I'm falling. It's a crazy picture of, of something of faith in action. And so they get to the roof. They, uh, they then dig a hole in the roof. Can you imagine? Because now we've got, you know, thatch. Can you imagine them trying to pull the thatch out and there's thatch falling upon you as I'm preaching and you're going, this is a little bit strange. There's thatch falling from the roof. Maybe someone should have a look what's going on there. Of course, there wasn't a thatch roof, but the roofs were made, I believe, with branches and then palm leaves and then um, compressed earth. And so to get to the roof, you would have had to do some digging. You would have to find some implement to smash through that roof. And there would be sand falling down. It's not just nice and neat. Oh, they drank through the roof. Boom. Then, then once there's a hole in the roof and everyone's looking up. It's quite funny, this guy's. Uh, um, they have to find a way to bring him down. So they would have had to have rope. To lower him down. And can you imagine if it's not like the same thing? The guy might be falling. And it's pretty crazy stuff that's happening here. But they get him on the ground. They lower him into the presence of Jesus. So I said to you, Mark teaches us what faith looks like. And we see some different aspects of faith this morning. And it's really, it's quite beautiful Because faith, the way that we express faith is different according to our nature and according to our character. We don't all express faith in the same way. Praise God for that. And so we see some different types of faith here. The first type of faith we see is a reporting faith. A reporting faith is you're the type of person is you just, you're really good at testifying to what God is doing. You say, you won't believe. You're sitting at work, you won't believe what Jesus did. You won't believe what God has done. You, you, the, the words of, 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 of making God great, they come easy to you. Because these four guys, how did they know that Jesus was there? And how did they know that this man was healing? Someone must have said, you're not going to believe this. But I have a friend, and I took this friend to Jesus, and Jesus healed them. It's a reporting faith. And I want to say to you, it's an important aspect of faith. Because you might go, well, well, I don't have faith like this, and I don't have faith like that. I'm all, you know, I don't even know if I've got faith. But I want to say, your faith, the way that you speak about Jesus, is significant. If you didn't do your job, those four guys would not have done anything. Can you see how important your faith is? The second faith is a responding faith. In other words, you're the type of person who says, okay, if Jesus is here, if there is a possibility of healing, come on, let's do something about it. You're like the activator. You're going, okay, let's do something. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to have a prayer meeting. We don't fast. We don't worship. We do something. You're the type of person who just wants to get the job done. You can't stand another meeting. Come on, let's get it done. You're an activator. That's how you express 
your faith. And can you see if there wasn't someone who said, come on, we, let's go and get our friend and bring him to Jesus, nothing would have happened. It's a valuable aspect of faith. The third type of faith is a determined faith. Because when the four men get there, there's no, there's no uh, space. So most of us will go, we'll come back tomorrow. Or maybe the second service. 10.30 service. Most of us would go, okay, we tried, yeah? One of those guys said, no. We have not carried this car all the way to go back and do it again. We are going to find a way. There is a determination. And some of you, God has placed within you the determination to see the things of God happen. You're just going, no, we are not giving up on this one. We are going to pray until it happens. We are going to do something. There's a determination that's unlike anyone else. Somehow, just God has just made you determined. You're like a bulldog. You know, a bulldog is a dog that once it bites you, it won't let go. You're like a bulldog. You just won't let that go. People get irritated. They say, give it up, man. Can't you see we need to move on? You're, nah, God's spoken. You're like the bulldog, determined. It's a beautiful faith that you have. And if you don't bring your faith to the party, we give up. And your, your aspect of faith is so precious. And the fourth faith that we see is, I want to call it creative faith or an inventive faith. Because you're the guy who thinks, okay, if we can't get through the door, let's go through the roof. Who would have ever thought to get to Jesus through a roof? No, no person in their right mind thinks like that. Yes, let's go through the roof. No one, except some crazy dude who's full of creativity, who's inventive, who thinks out the box. And maybe that's you, ma'am, or that's you, sir. You're creative, and you feel like your creativity and your inventiveness, how does it fit in? Because there's worship, and there's preaching, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just this creative, inventive person. Can you see if someone didn't say, we're going to lower this guy through the roof, they would have gone home. And the final faith is a loving faith. It's a loving faith. Like, why do they want this guy? They all did these responding, reporting, inventive, determined. Why? Just love my friend. And I want him to be healed. I want him to, to walk like I walk. It's a loving faith. And some of you, you're just filled with loving faith. You want people to come to know Jesus. You want people to be healed and restored just because you love them. It's your family. You care for them, yeah? You're filled with a loving faith. You know what's amazing? Who did what? Of those four guys, who was the reporting guy? Who was the responding guy? Who was the inventive guy? Who was the who was the who knows? But it says that when Jesus saw their faith, yeah? Not the determined guy's faith, or he saw their faith. In other words, friends, a church comes together and you bring your aspect of faith, how God has made you, and you throw it into the melting pot of the promises of God, and the church starts to inherit the promises of God when your faith comes into the equation. You bring it in. And it's community, friends. And so that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, he says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Meet 
meet together so that you might stir one another to love and good deeds. And so I want to commend to you, friends, I think they're called life groups here, yeah? The life groups is the gathering together in a small group whereby you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. It's lovely to get together through friendships, but what's the main purpose of gathering together? It's for friendship, it's for love, it's for care, but it's for this thing too, and it's really important that you can stir one another to love and good deeds. I'll tell you why. Because life is sometimes so difficult and so busy that we just want to try and get by. Just want to try and pay the bills, love our kids, get them to the sport, etc., etc. And the ability to do great things for God, sometimes we're just a little bit tired. And so we get together and we stir one another. We stir one another towards love and good deeds. And Jesus says, I see their faith. What is the purpose of Covenant Grace Church? What's the purpose of your life as a Christian? It's to together, with a loving faith, lower people into the presence of Jesus so that they can receive the ministry of Jesus. Not to bring people to church. That's beautiful, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is to lower people into the presence of Jesus so they can receive the ministry of Jesus. And when we do it together, it's a beautiful thing. Can I have some amens? Come, guys. This is really good stuff. So faith is not just an individual deal. It's a collective deal. What's the opposite of faith? What's the opposite of faith? I'm sure you've got many words running through your minds, but the opposite of faith. But I think we get something of a picture of this with Mark this morning. And so we see faith for men actually doing something, lowering the paralyzed guy into the presence of Jesus. But then we see some religious leaders sitting, not doing anything. In fact, they just there to try and catch Jesus out. Um, and um, they're not rejoicing in the fact that, some, that four guys have done an amazing thing. They're not rejoicing that Jesus is seeing faith and responding to faith. They're just going, see, something's going wrong here. It's not right. And you know, friends, what does not faith look like? It looks like a critical heart. It says Jesus seeing their hearts. Not what they're saying, but you see their heart. Because sometimes we can say the right thing. You know, we say the right thing. It sounds so good, but our hearts, there's a problem with our hearts. And um, I want to say, it's so easy as a follower of Jesus for our hearts to become a little bit critical and to become a little bit bitter and a little bit angry. Uh, particularly if you've been serving Jesus for a long time, particularly if you serve him with everything, you give everything for him, and then you see on Facebook once again, your friend, he's gone away on holiday with his kids, and the Facebook pics are so beautiful. It looks like they're having the most amazing time. And you've just had an argument with your wife because you are so tired from serving Jesus. And just go, hey, Lord, sure. Wouldn't it just be nice to have a life like that? You know, and somehow just a little bitter root begins to happen in your heart. And it happens so easily. And the enemy loves to plant little bitter roots in your heart. 
You know what, friends? You know who was really paralyzed in this room? It wasn't the man who couldn't walk, but were these guys. They were really paralyzed because they couldn't see Jesus. Couldn't. There's, there's something going wrong in their hearts. I want to say it's possible to be a Christian. It's possible to come to church. It might even be you today where you've just allowed something to grab hold of your heart. And you're no longer rejoicing. You're no longer leaning into expecting God to do great things. There's just something of a lack of joy. It's possible that you're just as paralyzed as the paralyzed man. And the good news is, is that if you, will, if, if you will allow Jesus to actually deal with your heart, he'll do a beautiful work. And you will walk again this morning. So the opposite of faith looks like a critical, a cynical, a complaining heart. What does faith produce? What does faith produce? Um, you know, faith is God's love language. Um, my wife and I read a book called The Five Love Languages. I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called, guys? Anyone? Anyway, it says that we all receive love differently. I think there's... Some of us like to have gifts. Some of us like physical affection. Some of us like acts of service. Some of us like words of affection. And I've forgotten the fifth one. Anyone know? For five points and a trip to Mauritius. <laughs> there are ways that we express love. So in my, in my marriage, my wife, she likes gifts. The way that I express is to actually buy her something. The way that I like is physical affection, touch, you know, hug, that type of thing. She keeps on giving me gifts. I keep on giving her physical affection. We don't, we don't, we don't find each other because we give what we want. What's the love language of our Father in heaven? How do we really please Him? It's faith. What does faith look like? We've seen it. Look what it, it, what it looks like. If you use, using your faith to bring people into the presence of Jesus, that's faith. It's not this kind of theological understanding. It's an action. It says he sees their faith that brings pleasure to the Lord. And Jesus responds to faith. I don't understand this about the Father. It almost seems cruel. But it looks like that there can be a paralyzed man there and a paralyzed man there. And the paralyzed man that says, Lord, would you do something? I'm expecting you to do something. And this guy who just keeps quiet, it looks like Jesus responds there. I don't understand it. But I've seen it often enough, and the Scriptures cry out that God seems to limit himself to the seed of faith that you have in your heart and that you live out. It's, it's, it's hard to understand. But I want to say to you that God limits himself very often, not always because he's God, but he limits himself to the faith that you bring to the party. Yeah? In other words, if these four guys had done nothing, if they just went and had coffee with their paralyzed man, friend and just loved him but never responded in faith in the four types of faith or five types of faith, I think that guy would not have been healed. Wow, God, how does that happen? He responds to faith. It's almost like our father's head is turned to men and women of faith that are making demands on the father. Father, I'm needing you to do this. 
Father, I'm needing and trusting you to save, to heal, to restore, to provide. I'm needing you, Lord. Listen to me, Lord. He loves that. Hey, look, there's my boy. He's trusting in me. And I think even from a human perspective, we can understand it. Because sometimes my children go, hey, Dad, I really need this, but I know we've got no money, so it's fine. And I, I just find that it's, like, it's horrible for me as a, as a dad because I'm going, actually, it's not your job, 11-year-old boy, to decide whether I can provide for you or not. Why don't you let me decide whether I can provide for you or not? Why don't you trust me? But when my boy shows something, because I, I know my dad can do this. I, um, uh, I've got a little workshop at home, and I fixed my, um, my, my boy's toys when he was a little bit smaller, because the boy's toys always break, <laughs> JP. And so um, uh, uh, and my, da- my, my, my son started to tell all these little kids, this is about five or six years old, that his dad can fix anything. So they would all bring their toys to the preschool for the, my boy to bring home to fix. Because my boy thought I could fix anything. It's faith. It's not realistic faith, but it's faith. <laughs> it's just like faith pleases the Father. And Jesus responds in two ways. I'm going to give you the second way first. I'm going to give you the, first, the second way is he says to this man who is paralyzed, rise up and walk. What's the, what, what's, the, what's the response of faith? It's healing. And by the way, that guy who was paralyzed must have had faith as well to actually stand up, to actually say, I'm going to try, because he knows he can't walk. And it's so beautiful, friends, what Jesus does. He's able to heal. And perhaps um, you're here this morning, and um, there is an issue that you really trust in God to heal, either for yourself or um, for, um, for some really, really close family members. And um, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to praise your hand, raise your hand and I'm going I'm to pray for you. If either you or, or a close family member, I'm going to ask you just to keep your hand. I'm, I'm, I want to be quite specific. I'm not just talking about, you know, I've, I've got my shoulders being sore. I'm talking about, you know, uh, um, illnesses that, boy, do we need Jesus to heal. Cancer and, and illnesses that deeply impact people's lives. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And I want you to raise your hand. And then I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask that just people around you um, lay their hands upon you, just as a symbol of God's healing. You might have to actually get up and just move around, guys. Um, and so I'm going to ask some people just to gather around. I'm not going to ask you to pray. I'm just going to ask you to lay your hands. If you don't feel comfortable with it, it's okay. And then once someone's actually placed their hands upon you, just you can keep your hand down so that we can just make sure that everyone has had their, their hands raised. Are there still some people with their, their hands raised? And I'd just like for you just to be aware of that and to walk across the room. If you're, someone's got their hands upon you, you can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come to you and we read in your words that you spoke to a paralyzed man, a man who could not walk, and you said, rise. And the man rose. And Lord, we believe 
that you can still do that today. You can still speak a word and you can bring healing where there is sickness and disease. And so, Father, I lift up your precious children whose hands are raised, whether they're raised for themselves or raised for people that they love and care for. And I would, Lord, uh, speak these words over them, just the life of Jesus, rise and walk, just the healing over cancer, the healing over diseases that the doctors cannot heal, the healing over long-term illnesses, just your healing power to flow right now, Lord. Your healing power. We are expecting you, Lord, to heal as, Lord, you did 2,000 years ago because you are risen. And so, Jesus, would you delight us as you delighted all those in the room by demonstrating your power in the form of healing. In Jesus' name, amen. May I ask if there is a testimony from that, that where you prayed for yourself or, from, or for someone else, a family member, that you found out that Jesus healed, if you would bring it to the elders, that they can celebrate with you about the goodness of God. And so... You know, what does faith produce, friends? It produces healing. Can you imagine the joy of that room? I've had three back operations. I remember saying, God, if I can just walk, I will so celebrate you. If I can just walk. And that was only for a short period. Because when you, when you can't walk, you can't do anything. You can't, you can't, you can't work as a man. You can't provide. You can't fix anything. You're completely dependent upon everyone caring for you. You can't do any task. Everyone has to look after you. It is the most humiliating thing not to be able to walk. And Jesus says, rise and walk. It's not just healing where you could walk. It's actually giving a man a dignity and a future and hope. It's restoration, which is what you call to as a church. It's what you call to as a church, friends, to bring Healing to bring where, where, where people can't walk because they can't get a job. They can't provide for their family. They've never been fathered. That's, 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 that's the ministry of Jesus. That's what he does. He's so beautiful, don't you agree? Let's hear, imagine, imagine being in that room and seeing a guy who, who, who did not walk, walk. Imagine the joy. Would you not go home and tell your friends about Jesus? So that was the second one. It was actually a f- one that came before. And the one that came before was, he said to the paralyzed guy, your sins are forgiven. Now I would imagine that guy saying, brilliant, but I came here because I was paralyzed. Thanks very much for forgiving my sins. But I still can't walk. You know, if, if someone came to me and said, my husband is dying of cancer, would you come and pray for him? And I walked into the room and the whole family was around and I'd say, brother, your sins are forgiven. The family would be offended. They, if they were bigger than me, they might hit me. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's almost cruel when a person is suffering to say your sins are forgiven. What's Jesus doing? He is demonstrating that there is a greater need than physical healing. 
There's a greater paralysis than physical paralysis, and it's a spiritual paralysis. And when he says your sins are forgiven, he's really saying, I don't only want you to walk physically, I want you to walk spiritually as well. And so, um, you know, if you've been in a church long enough, we all, you, know, you talk about sin that you can become inoculated to it. You can kind of just, you hear it so many times. My daughter was, was, was preparing last night, so I phoned her and said, okay, tell me about the message. And she started to tell me. I said, Jess, you know, everything you've said is true, but you've got to find a fresh way to say it. Because people's hearts just be gone, I've heard that, I've seen it, it doesn't really affect me. You have to find a fresh way to tell people about the wonder of what God does, of who they were and what Jesus has done and who they are now. You have to do that. And so what's the wonder of Jesus saying your sins are forgiven? What is a sin? A sin is when we choose to live life like we're in charge. And I want to tell you, we do that every day. So sin is like living like we're, we're actually in charge. We make decisions like we're in charge. And, um, and sometimes we, we, we do things that, that are sinful, and they have an impact on our relationship with the Father, both if we're a Christian or if we're not a Christian. They have an impact. I don't know... If you've ever had a relationship whereby you have said something and as those words came out, you go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Have you ever done that? Two of you, the rest of you, brilliant. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Maybe you've said something and you didn't even say it to that person, but you said it in a group and the group went and told that person. And that person, when, they, when you meet with them, you just know there's a bit of a distance, yeah? And there's a relational issue. And you might even say sorry for what you said. You might say, listen, I'm so sorry for what I said. I didn't mean it. I just lost my temper. I was just, yeah, just would you help? And the person says, I forgive you. But you know what? That relational bridge might never be mended. Never comes together again. You might have a friendship, but you know. Sometimes that just happens. You know where we see it often happening in, 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 as, as pastors? Is when a man or woman has an affair and they confess it and they say to their wife and their husband, I'm so sorry. I, I, I had an affair. I slept with her. I didn't mean it was a mistake. Will you forgive me? And somehow in the grace of God, they forgive. But often that ability to walk together sometimes never happens. They, they, they might even forgive, but they're never able to, to bridge that damage. And that's what a sin is. It's acting in a way towards God that you're never able to bridge that, that gap again. You're never able to get there. And so when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, he's saying, actually, you, you and God can't walk together. You and, the, and your creator who, you, who was made to love you and to adore you and to treasure you and to provide for you and you were made to return and worship and service, that beautiful relationship, you can't get there. You can't walk with him anymore because of your nature. You need a new nature. How do I get a new nature? You need your sins removed. And Jesus says your sins are forgiven. It's such a beautiful word. Wow. We've got to find fresh ways, friends, to, to talk about what Jesus has done. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. So what's Jesus saying to this young man? He's saying, 
I want you to walk again with your father. I want you to walk again. It's, it's, it's more important than physically walking. And um, it's more beautiful for them than, than that. And the way that you can walk again is for someone to take away your sins. And I'm that someone. I can deal with it. That upon the cross, I can take the weight of your sins, the things that you've lived in offense. I will take them and you'll go free. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He who walked with God stopped walking with God so that we could walk with God. Does that make sense? What an amazing Jesus. When he says your sins are forgiven, it's not just words. He's saying, I'm going to do something that will enable you to walk again with the Father. And so, friends, we've got a few minutes just to respond. Um, And so... I want to say to you, if you've never known what it is to walk with the Father, if you've never, what we call actually putting your hope in the Father, this is how you do it, is you actually, um, I'm going to give you one way, there are many ways, but you um, just uh, go to a, a few people that you're friends with and say, I need help. I need you to carry me to the presence of Jesus because I'm paralyzed. I, I, you know, my life's a mess. I, I need your help. And then those friends just say, okay, this is what you need to do. You just need to say, Lord, I actually want to put my hope and my faith in you. And I want to walk with you. Would you move me from a spiritual paralysis to walking with you? That's what it means to become a Christian. And you can do that today. And if you say, well, I actually don't have those guys. Well, come speak to me. I'd love to speak to you. Speak to... Um, the, the elders. But friends will do. Friends are even better. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Just say, you know, man, I actually want to walk with in, in this relationship. It's what Jesus came for. So beautiful. Today, you can walk with the Father. Hey, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Not difficult, hey? Please do that today. But then maybe um, there's some, an area in your life that you're paralyzed. You've just got stuck. You can't overcome it. It's just, you know, you've tried. You're just always angry. You've got stuck in pornography. There's issues that you just, I'm paralyzed, Lord. I just kind of live with this thing. I just live with, I can't, my left leg won't walk. Well, today, maybe just this week, write that down and say to a friend, hey, I'm paralyzed in this area of my life. And I, I, need, I, need, I need healing. And um, would you help me lower, lower me into the presence of Jesus? Why don't you stand with me and then I'm going to close. I'm going to ask you to do that, but I'm also going to pray with you. And um, that's you, I want you to be very courageous. You don't have to, you know, the Father never comes to embarrass, never comes to shame. That's the work of the enemy. The Father always comes to to bring healing and to bring life. And so, in a way, we've all been lowered into the presence of Jesus this morning. And I really mean that. In a way, we've all been lowered into the presence of Jesus. It's kind. And so, there's faith in my heart 
and I'm sure in others, for Jesus to actually heal that area. I still want to commend you to actually bring it, confessing and saying, hey, I'm paralyzed to some friends because they can walk with you. But actually, I want to pray with you. And so if there's some area where you've got stuck, it's paralyzed. Let's trust Jesus to respond to your faith to say, ah, this area you can walk again. And I you, Lord, you've been very courageous, and the Father loves it when you're courageous. It's a sign of faith. Thank you. Father, these are your precious children. They've raised their hands because they're stuck. They've tried time and time again to walk in this area, but they've been unable to. And, um, Lord, there's so much we can't do to fix in our own lives. And yet, Lord, you're the perfect healer. You don't only heal physically, but you heal spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You come to bring the fullness of life upon your people. And Lord, only you know what these issues are that your precious people are uh, stuck in, are paralyzed. And I pray in the power of our Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that, Lord, you would bring life where there's paralysis. Life through the power of your Holy Spirit. Resurrection life into those areas, Lord, even now. And Lord, the work of the enemy which comes to paralyze and comes to make us ineffective and comes to wake us weak. We, we recognize as real, but we acknowledge your greater reality in our lives. And we put our hope and our confidence and our trust in you, Lord. And we declare there will come a time, Lord. There will come a time where we will stand in the front and say, Lord, look at the work you've done. Look at the work you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, the role of the church is together to, with faith and with love, to lower people into the presence of Jesus. I commend that role to you. Amen. 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 Wow. Brendan, thank you so much. God bless you. Please, uh, he's given us so much to take home. Hey, Join us for a cup of coffee. There's a rusk outside in the courtyard. Have a great week.